Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM90. Partners include the Amarillo Public Library, the Harrington Library Consortium, and Amarillo College, with the support from the Anne Ray Foundation and Barnes & Noble Booksellers. It was that part of the library that I wasn't supposed to get something out of, and so when I got it, and I can remember my grandma saw it, and my grandma was like, what is that, nothing? <laughs> it's a, a lighthearted book about gardening in the top of your house. It's about flowers. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart. Today, we're going to be talking about long-term relationships. And we don't mean actual relationships. I mean, I guess they kind of are, but long-term book relationships. Talking about series books that are in the Great American Read. We're going to go around the table, and uh, I'm going to have each of you introduce yourself. I'm Jill Gibson. I'm the chair of the Matinee Mass Media Program at Amarillo College. I'm Stacy Clopton-Yates. I'm the Public Relations Coordinator for the Amarillo Public Library System. I'm Andy Parlow. I am a high school teacher at Tascosa High School. I'm Becky Easton, Chair of English, Humanities, and Languages at Amarillo College. So we're looking at this list of 100 books for the Great American Read, and there are a lot of series on this. I was kind of surprised by it. Uh, Jill, were there any big surprises for you as far as series go? Well, surprised that they're on the list or surprised when I read them? That's sort of a double question. And is it cheating to have series on the list? Because it's really more than 100 books if you count it that way. Totally. And that's what I wonder. Is it, is it cheating? It's value added. It, maybe that's the <laughs> bonus of a series is you get to enjoy a book for longer because when you finish the book, you know there's the other issue of it, the other, the other um, in the series coming up. But I think some authors have taken books and written them along and then chopped them up so they can sell more books. That makes me a little suspicious. The other thing that surprised me looking at the list is how many of these series I've read. How many do you think you've read? Mm, I didn't count. You know, reading, yes. Math, no. Let's see. One. I don't know. Maybe ten. Yeah. Ten series, which is a lot of books. Harry Potter. How many books are in the Harry Potter series? Seven. Seven. It's a lot of books. It's a lot of pages. But it's it was fun. That was a Christmas break for me. I just sat down one Christmas break and read the Harry Potter series. And one of the things that I do like to do with series is wait till they're all out because waiting for the next book is horrible. <laughs> just so frustrating. So that was the great thing about Harry Potter is they were all out because I was behind everyone else. <laughs> And all the 12-year-olds that stayed up till midnight to get the next books. <laughs> and yes, I was an adult, and I spent a Christmas break reading the entire series. Andy, I know you're a big lover of series books. That's why we invited you here today. Yeah. Is there a reason why you like reading series books over just a regular novel? I think it might be that continuation of the story. I kind of like having to wait for the book to come out. Like I like that feeling. And, and like with Harry Potter especially, I read them out of order initially because when I went to get them I was going on a trip and I got an audiobook of uh, Prisoners of Azkaban because that was the only one they had and so I grabbed that and I and I read that one as I uh, well I guess I listened read in the car and fell in love with it and it's still even after all of them are out now it's still my favorite one and I went back and I picked up on one and two I think it was cool you know to have to speculate what was going to happen in the next book 
who might die, who was going to, you know, get married or whatever. I think that's that's always kind of a cool feeling with the series. Andy, it's funny that you love series books so much to me because you love binge watching more than anything. And for you to say that you love waiting for the next book to come out, I just can't believe that from you. But um, but uh, I, I understand that anticipation of waiting for the next one. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then some books, I like how they change from one book to the next. Like when we talk about um, The Da Vinci Code with Dan Brown, I mean, each of those books was a little bit different than the other book because you were always dealing with these weird conspiracies and stuff. So, I mean, I always thought that was really cool. There's a series on here that I don't know if very many people have read. I think a lot of kids have read it is um, Ghost with Jason Reynolds. And that's a really cool series. Like I just read Ghost and I started on, I think it's Patina that's the second one or Sunny. Those are fantastic books. They're really, really good. And they deal with a lot of, um, like I don't want to give a lot away because I want people to read it, but it really it says it's about a track team, and it is, but it really deals with inner city kids and living in these different environments. And I mean, just how much more relevant could you be for kids today than a series of books like that? Becky, yeah. how many do you think you've read? Oh, probably not as many as I should be for an English teacher. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe six or eight of the series. Which one stood out to you? Which one, or maybe your favorites? Uh, I have to have to admit that uh, my favorite um, my favorites among them are the Chronicles of Narnia and uh, and Harry Potter. I think there's something kind of ingenious about young adult novels being serialized, though, because if you're trying to hook kids on reading, if you have a nice good series, uh, it's it's easy. I agree. Then, do you think it's more geared towards younger people. I mean, we were talking earlier about how, Jill, you kind of, are you kind of done with the series thing? Are you, I mean, is it not as important to you anymore? Do you well, feel? Well, no, actually, this is making me realize how much I miss having a good series. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> and now I'm thinking I need to find a series because the saddest thing is when you finish your book yeah. and you realize you don't have anything to read. Right. I think the second saddest thing is finishing a series yes. and then like <laughs> that's where are my characters now? And yeah. they become they become your friends. Some of some of these are not exactly series so much as the same characters coming up again in other books and mm-hmm. they're they're like old friends in your you're laughing and you're experiencing what they've been through and oh look there's so and so again. And now I think perhaps it was, I'm remiss to move away from series. Uh, For a while, that was all I wanted because that way I knew what I was reading next. But I I think I got skeptical of authors overwriting just so they could sell more books. And that was kind of a turnoff. I love an author that knows when to end a series. And I think there are some great examples of that. I think Harry Potter is a fantastic example. It's seven books. It has a beginning and a middle and an end, and it's done. And of course, the story can continue, as we know, because they created a play. But I do think there are some series that go on and on and on, and I'm I'm just done with them when they get to that point. Any examples of those? Um, Game of Thrones, maybe? No, no, no. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Um, well, and of course, that series is actually called A Song of Ice and Fire. And there are, there are supposed to be seven books in it, and only five of them are out. 
And A Song of Ice and Fire fans have this love-hate relationship with George R.R. R. Martin because he keeps writing other things. Mm-hmm. And we want him to finish the series. And it's just, you know, it's been it's been seven years since the fifth book came out. I've actually managed to emotionally adjust to not being able to read about the people of Westeros. And when the sixth book comes out, it's going to be hard if I read it right away because then I my head of another seven to eight years before I get to read about them again, and that can be frustrating. So, no, I don't, I don't think that series has gone on too long. I just wish he would write it faster. But I do, I would say, oh, I hope I don't make anybody mad with this, but a series of unfortunate events. I read all of those books. My son and I read them together. We liked them very much. But I feel like maybe around book seven, he could have been done. And, and I get that he was wanting to get to 13 books because it was all about luck and being unlucky. So he was getting to 13. But uh, I, that was a series I thought went on a little too long. And I would say another one that did was the Left Behind series. Yes. I was going to say that. If you're looking at this list, Left Behind went on way too long. And, I, you know, <laughs> you know that they have to finish because yeah. the end of the world must come. That was the general grand scheme of right. things. But the dialogue just kept getting worse and worse with every book. And you knew that the joy was gone for the writers and the joy was gone for the readers. I really don't know that Twilight needed to be four books either. And I'm going to make a lot of people mad by saying that, but I don't care. Like, I think you could have done Twilight in one or two and been done. Like, yeah, some of us didn't think that. Twilight needed to be one book. Well, that's true I didn't too. think that either. If you really <laughs> well, and yet we read it. Yeah. yeah. Also, that's true. I read it. I am I am the person that came from a um, basically a series of books that was not finished. I am a huge Sue Grafton fan. Oh, yeah. And she died at Y. Yep. And her family released a statement saying that the alphabet ends at Y. And yeah. I knew going in and reading these in my you know late teens, early twenties, that there was a possibility that she was probably going to pass away before she finished the series. So you know, does that worry you when you're reading? the Game of Thrones books, you know, does that worry you? I know that it does worry some readers, and some of them have actually addressed that to George R.R. R. Martin, and he's basically responded with, um, that's really gross and macabre, and, and stop <laughs> talking about my death. And uh, But I do, I do think people wonder about that. But says the writer of all things death, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who kills off every character. But I grew up reading the Wizard of Oz series. Oh, and those are good. we had a set of books that were out of print mm-hmm. and they're falling apart. And some of them were written by other people. It's the best kind. And some of the books that were written after L. Frank Baum's death were better than the original books. Oh. And so sometimes another author can pick up the characters and the world created and make it even better. So I'm not sure that it's necessarily something to worry about that, oh my gosh, the author is going to pass away. But that is a reason why I'd rather wait till a series is finished so I can go from one to the other because I forget too. I'd have to go back and reread a book. With these series, you have to wait. I don't like to forget. Didn't that happen with Stieg Larsson, too? Yes. When there one that they came out with later? Right. He wrote three books. Right. And what they said was that he had lots of plans yeah. for the book, for the series to go on, and that he had, I guess, outlines for seven or eight more books. 
and then he passed away and somebody wrote another book and I have not brought myself to read it. I loved the first three either. books yeah. so much. I bought it. And I, and I also loved the way it ended. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh-huh. it, it was not all tied up in a neat little bow, but, you know, there was also nobody lying bleeding on the floor. Right. And so it was it was a good end and to that trilogy. Yeah. And I never wanted to pick it up again after that. I think another series, if, if you call it a series that I I really thought went on too long or is still going on too long. Again, people will disagree with me, but um, the Patricia Cornwall books. I'll agree with you on that one. I started reading those and and I read all of them and then at some point it just got silly. I heard she went to a writing workshop or something and that when she came back it had radically changed the way she wrote. It did not help it in my opinion. I used to love her books and then I've reached a point where I don't want to read yeah, any more of no. them, which sounds awful. And I'm not sure what changed, but the books change, and you just sometimes the reader gets tired of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, how many Alex Cross have there been? And Alex Cross oh is on the gosh. list, but there's a lot. I mean, so we're talking many. over 20, right? Yeah, there's a lot of those. And so people that have asked me, they're they're going through the list of the 100 books. Well, I've read some. Can I count that? <laughs> or I'm like, sure, why not? You know, because it's a lot. And I think unless you're a really diehard Alex Cross fan, you're probably not going to read all right. 30 of them or however many there are. I think are. there's a bunch on here that you don't realize are series. Like we were talking mm-hmm. before we started about like um, The Giver is a series. Right. And I don't think people realize that if they're not in like literary circles. They they don't realize that there are like two other it, books that go with that. It's three books. So. But aren't those more companion books, books mm-hmm. that can go together than, than so much a continuation? I don't know what she said about it, but I mean, it really kind of is in that same kind of world. Of you know where everything's mm-hmm. gray and dystopian, I guess, not quite dystopian. They well, have technology. Yeah, that's a question of what makes a series a series. Because right. if there are only two books, is it a series, or oh. is it just a book and a sequel? Well, I think Asimov's foundation. I think uh, he actually wrote one humongous book and really meant for it to be published as one book, but the publisher said no yeah. <laughs> and uh, broke it up into three. I think I read that that's the same. That was the case for Lord of the Rings as well. Mm-hmm. And the sum of it was that at the time it was published, they couldn't make a book that big. They mm-hmm. couldn't bind a book that large, and so it was broken up into three books for that reason because it was just too many pages. It probably wasn't very marketable that big either. Like, who wants yeah. to take a book that big to the beach? But <laughs> avid readers get excited about long books. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes students really get discouraged oh, by looking totally. at a very long book. Well, like U- Ulysses. Well, and I think as far as Lord of the Rings goes, it was a little bit disappointing to realize how much it is really just one story. Mm-hmm. It, it does not um, wrap things up at the end of the Fellowship of the Rings so that you can, you know, take no. a break. It is one long story. So that, to me, is, is artificial. It's an artificial series because it really is one long story. I recently finished a series, uh, the Annihilation series. Have any of you heard of that? I I saw the movie and I wanted to read the book. So I wanted to see the movie because I I read all three books thinking they're they're going to explain this. You know, this will make sense if I just keep reading. If I get the next book, this will make sense. It never made sense. 
it, but the movie was hard to understand, so I figured. Well, then it was true to the books. Yeah. <laughs> but I have friends that love those. Like, I have a really good friend that, you know, she's doing the seven books I love on Facebook, and that's one of the first ones she posted up was Annihilation. So, Have any of you read the Outlander series? Well, I read the first one, but um, I think that this is one reason not to binge. I read the first one, loved it went back and read the reviews and the reviews said the rest of them weren't so good mm-hmm. and um and you may disagree with me i i, I don't know but uh, there's a lot of other good books on this list that i hadn't read yet so i didn't read the second one or i i read the first two books in the outlander series and and they're good books but that again that's a very long series there's like nine ten i don't know exactly how many books and they're all really long and i do think she could have benefited from an editor a more aggressive editor than she had i just made a decision i'm, I'm two books in and i'm gonna let it go and i think sometimes you do that if you're looking at a book the a book series that's made up of giant giant books and there's no end in sight and this may sound really macabre, but seriously, I'm getting older. My reading time is getting shorter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a limited amount of time left in which to read. And so, yeah, Outlander's one of those ones that I said to myself, I, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I, I'll, be, I'll be okay. I can live the rest of my life without reading these books, and, and I'll be happy. We'll be fine. It's just too much other good stuff to read. Dune is kind of like that, too. The Dune books are so big. I think I got through two Dune books, yeah. I remember feeling discouraged and giving up after the second Dune book. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that there is pressure from some people? Because I was pressured about Outlander, and I, I've only read about half of the first book. It didn't feel like it was for me. No. And I kind of was pressured into reading the first half of that <laughs> that I kind of gave up on. But do you ever feel the pressure to continue the series, even though you're like, I don't know if this is for me, but everybody says that these nine books are going to change my life. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, yeah. I always feel like if I start one, I have to finish it after I just said I didn't finish Dune. But uh, I am a quitter, I admit it, but I feel like I should finish. And I got very frustrated with my son. He often would, as a kid, start series and not finish them. And he didn't read the last Hunger Games book, and that made me so angry. And that would be frustrating because the Hunger Games is a complete, compact series, three books. Um, you know, another um, author for young people that I think does that really well is Rick Riordan because he mm-hmm. um, he writes a lot of books, but he does five book series. And some of the characters may pop up in another series, but even though he continues to write in that world, he isn't tying you to you know you've got to commit to all 25 of my books and I think that's smart I think it's smart when you're writing for kids I think it's smart when you're writing for adults as well reading does take a lot of time it's wonderful time but you have to make choices every single person sitting around this table has a to be read list that we will never finish (laughs) every single one of us we will die before we finish reading our to be read list Mm -hmm. and i do feel like you have to be selective somewhat what about beverly cleary (laughs) 
I remember reading them when I was younger. So I guess that is a series. It's the yeah. same character. Well, and, and that's what yeah. same characters. Is it a world or is it a series? Both. Oh well, now you're being picky. Like <laughs> now you're just being picky. You know, I didn't think the Beverly Cleary. For one thing, I didn't think the Beverly Cleary books went on too long. I didn't think there were no. too many of them. Um, I also thought that there was enough variation in the books in terms of who and what they were about and the reading level for each of them that 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 was a good thing um because you could start with those and you could stay with them for a long time even as you became a better reader one of the ones that drives me crazy for young people is again don't hate me but junie b jones junie b jones never stops um the reading level doesn't get more difficult you want your kids you want to say to your kids go read something harder well, eventually they outgrow it, and that's when it stops. Uh, but it gives them something to ask for when you go to the store. Oh, buy the next one, buy the next one. I remember having to read it to them. Mm-hmm. It, it's better when they start reading it to themselves. Oh, yes. <laughs> See, I guess I come at that from a different angle. I don't care if they don't get harder as long as they're reading. Like, you know, in the classroom, I really don't. I don't care what they pick up to read that day. I just want them reading something. So, like, I've, you know, beefed up graphic novels, magazines, all kinds of stuff in our room just because I you know sometimes you need a break like you know we're talking about these long series and abandoning them sometimes it's not that you abandon them forever sometimes you just walk away and then you turn around and come back and you're like oh I did really like this and I forgot that I cared about it but I don't think you should ever feel bad about abandoning books I think that's your prerogative and you're not going to sit there and listen to a song on the radio that you don't like Well, and part of it depends on your perspective of why you're reading. Are you reading to enhance your mind Mm -hmm. or are you reading as entertainment? Mm -hmm. And most of my reading is entertainment, escaping from the real world into a fantasy world. If it goes on for more than one book, so much the better. Do you ever finish a series and start another series or do you put something else in between? Do I ever read two series at the same time? Well, yes. no, 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 back to back. I mean, do you finish a long series and you've loved these characters and then they're gone? And then do you pick up just a light book after that before you start another series? Sometimes. Or do you feel like, well, I need another series to replace the series? I think it depends a little <laughs> bit on how heavy the series was. You know, if you've if you've just finished reading... Well, if you've been reading A Song of Ice and Fire, for example, and all of your favorite characters are dead, and you're very sad, and it was, and they were brutal, bloody deaths, then yeah, uh, looking for something with some unicorns and puppies is a happy thing before you go back into that kind of, uh, that kind of darkness. Well, when you struggle through something like the Twilight Saga, you want to go back to something good like Harry Potter. <laughs> Well, and I solved that problem because it takes me forever to finish a book, but I generally have four going at one time. Yeah, I'm, you I'm know, a mass reader, too. A fiction, a nonfiction, <laughs> something that might have to do with work, and uh, a spiritual mm-hmm. uh, type book, devotional. And um, that way, you know, there's always something that can fit your mood. I want to talk about the elephant in the room or the 
flower in the attic in the room. <laughs> Let's talk about that because that is one of the series that is on the list. And that's kind the of the, the taboo <laughs> book Hated of the it. list. I loved it. Hated it. <laughs> I, I think it's probably on the list because so many people read it when they were teenagers or preteens. And it was forbidden, which is part of what attracted us to mm-hmm. it. But that forbidden fruit, that banned in Boston, is good marketing. It moved me into other books, though. It moved me into, like, you know, scarier, deeper, darker books that still kind of capture. I don't think I would have ever read a Patricia Cornwell if I hadn't done Flowers in the Attic when I did. Did you read it as a young adult? Yeah, I read it in middle school, I'm pretty sure. Well, see, and I didn't read it until just a few years ago when my students kept telling me, you (laughs) haven't read that book? I think it might be different as an introduction to dark literature than as a grown-up who kind of could figure out what was going on before it happened and was not shocked. Gone Girl Light, you know, if you want to look at it that way. Then I'm gonna love them. I've yeah. never read. I've never You've read never, any of Flowers oh in the Attic. Oh my gosh! I know. Shame on me, huh? Uh, <laughs> it was. It was that part of the library that I wasn't supposed to get something out of, and so when I got it, and I can remember my grandma saw it, and my grandma was like, "What are you reading?" And I was like, "Flowers in the Attic." What is that? Nothing. <laughs> it's a. It's a lighthearted. <laughs> a lighthearted book about gardening in the top of your house. It's about flowers in an attic. <laughs> One of the things that I was just reflecting on is a lot of these series on the list and the series that we're talking about are not necessarily great literature. <laughs> and Speaking of which okay. ones, Jill? Well, I mean, we might even use the term trashy or <laughs> beach read, which is, is fine. There's a place for that. But generally, the books that are assigned in English classes to study are not series. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point, if, especially if you're talking about something that is going to go on for a long time. It you don't always you're not always able to maintain that lo- level of quality. And I also wonder if some of this um, this phenomenon of series isn't a little bit uh, like like you said, Jill, a marketing thing. Um, if the Lord of the Rings was published as a trilogy because you physically couldn't publish a book that big and they realized, oh, hey, we get to sell three books instead of one. If that didn't lead to the creation of these series more than uh, more than you had in the past. I mean, even if you look at like Agatha Christie, you know, she she wrote the um, Miss Marple and the Ercuparo, but they're not really series. They're more standalone kinds of books and they don't go on forever. I personally call Harry Potter great literature. I would call the Narnia books great literature. Yeah, they're good. The, the last book is, is disappointing, but, you know. And it seems like the success of Harry Potter prompted a lot of authors to create subpar series yes. to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. and I mean, are we talking about Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight? <laughs> is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Do, is that, do you want to go there? Well, I want to go there because, I mean, if you're saying that potentially she wrote three books to make three movies, yeah. I mean, is that what we're talking about? I think in today's world, you an author cannot write without considering the possibility that this is going, that this could be, could be adapted and, and without wanting that. You know, there was a, a list published not too long ago that about the most successful financially, the most financially successful writers. And the thing that separated them from 
other writers was not that they sold more books. It was that their books had been made into movies. But I don't know if you know this or not, and you may, but it's just funny. Twilight is the reason that Fifty Shades of Grey was created. The author of the Fifty Shades book started writing that as fan fiction. Oh, yeah. Because of Twilight, (laughs) which just means that, you know, Twilight (laughs) has even more to answer for. But... (laughs) It kind of makes me, I feel a little vomit in my throat right now. I I say more power to them. They were very successful. They knew their audience. They gave their audience what the audience wanted. Entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And that's where you come from, I think. You know, here's the thing. I don't like Twilight. I know a lot of people who love it. And, you know, the same thing. I've never read Fifty Shades of Grey, but, oh, my gosh, I know a lot of people who love it. And I think, you know, I mean, that's the beauty of reading. We all read what appeals to us, and we put up what doesn't. And... You know, and and maybe it just doesn't appeal to you at that time. Maybe it appeals to you later. My problem with the Twilight Saga was she was not a good writer at the beginning. And if you don't get me at the beginning, then it's really hard for me to hang on. And the only reason I finished them was because I had young people in my life that wanted me to read them so we could talk about them. Well, and it was a quick and easy read. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of. Twilight was a good story, but it wasn't good writing. Yeah. And I think that's... Some people have a story, but they don't have the writing ability. She and got some people better. can write, but they don't have a good story. Like, th- there was a book that she wrote that came out right after the Twilight Saga called um, The Host. Mm-hmm. And that was a good book. Like, I really enjoyed that book. But I agree. And she did yeah. get better as she was she going. Did. But yeah. you're right. It was... It was a struggle in the beginning but also 50 shades of gray if you ever read that you would feel like stephanie meyer was the best author that you'd ever read see i I feel pretty confident in my life not reading 50 shades of gray i think i'm gonna be okay when you're first starting what maybe just one novel maybe they've said i think we're gonna put out three in a series Mm -hmm. are you able to see the end game like, are you able oh. to see that they're going to be around a long time or that you hope, I hope there's seven in this, but, or, or the opposite. I hope they stop at three because I don't want any more than that. You know? So is it evident when you're reading it that they have an end game or do you think that they're just going along with the flow, trying to make the money, trying to burn up the book deal? The good ones are the ones where it's evident there's, there's a plan. There's an outline. The Harry Potter series I understand that she outlined the whole thing from beginning to end before she started. And, or maybe she's lying about that, but it it makes for a great story. (laughs) But you can tell that there's a direction, that these are not aimless books trying to fill pages and sell books. I, I do, I could say something perhaps the opposite of that. Occasionally, you pick up a new book you think it's a standalone novel it's presented to you as a standalone novel and then they pop up later and say oh yeah it's going to be a series and then you just that was not i i might not have picked this up if i had known that was the plan and i i think that's that happens especially when it stops in what seems like the middle of things and it's very frustrating (laughs) and you have to wait for the next book well, you know, I mean, but there are other authors that can kind of wander aimlessly, and it's fine. Like, I think of the Sookie Stackhouse books and Charlene Harris, and I don't know that she had a map of where all of those were going when she started with the first one, but That's they're why I fun. stopped reading them. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I love all of them. And they oh, are fun. I read they're one. Fun. I read one, and then I thought, yeah, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I have experienced this. I think I can have a conversation with somebody about it if I need to, and I can move on to something else. See, like the third one is so good. 
the third one's really juicy and has yeah, the but, whole but by the thing fifth with and Eric the sixth and, and the seventh. The, oh, there's another one. Okay, enough. I enjoyed them, but I, I also loved all thirteen series of unfortunate events. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I also I am a reader of the formulaic, as we've yeah. said on a, one of the episodes, yeah. the formulaic Janet Ivanovich books, which are the <laughs> same book every time, just with different character names, names, I'm pretty sure of it. But I love those because they're the beach read. They're the fun thing. Yeah. You can just read them. But there's a ton of those. Well, that's there's Josh. Is it John Grisham does that too. Mm-hmm. He's real formulaic and rehashing. Too. Yeah. yeah. There's a certain comfort though of picking up an author you're accustomed to and falling into the cadence of their writing and their world and the characters, even if you can predict it, you like that because sometimes everything else in life's un, you know, out of control. I think we're sad that some writers don't do that, that some writers don't have a plan and keep writing it. Like I know I've gotten to so many ends of books and been just, oh, I need another one. Okay, Becky, we had um, a discussion on another one of our podcasts about the original order of the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, I heard this. So I want to talk about the original order that they came in and the way they're being packaged now and how that all happened, if you know. Hmm. (laughs) I wish Mike Bella were here. (laughs) Uh, He's He's taught classes on them. Uh, I know that they're not in chronological order, but to tell you the truth, I really don't know if they were why they're published in the order that they are. I guess I assumed that that was the order that Lewis wrote them, but I don't know that for a fact. If I remember right, rightly what I have read, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was the first book. And so that was published. And then um, I think the next one, uh, Prince Caspian comes mm-hmm. next. And then at some point he decided he wanted to go farther back into the history of Narnia. He wanted to tell the story of how the Snow Queen character came to be. And so he went back and wrote The Magician's Nephew. So it's this prequel that just pops up in the middle of things. And then at some point he decided he wanted to go back to those original characters from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and tell a story about what happened to them during that lost lifetime. Um, So you have the horse and his boy. And you hear you learn a little bit about what happens to Susan um, in that in that book but I think it's just human nature to want to arrange things and make them put them neatly in order so I think people do tend to say okay let's start packaging them with you know the magician's nephew first and then the lion the witch and the wardrobe and and do it that way I feel very ignorant they're not selling them with Line, which no, the they're selling first. them with the magician's nephew first now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and That's I don't, horrible. I don't like it that way. Mm-hmm. I like, I tried to go back as an adult and reread them that way, and I, it lost me. Like I really did not. There, there's a disconnect when I was reading from that one into. The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe. I didn't like that's it. That's not how I read it no. at all, and I can't imagine reading it that way. And I'm reading the Maze Runner series right now, and they did the same thing. So I guess it's interesting to maybe talk about prequels even, because they came back out, and they put out a prequel called The Kill Order 
that's supposed to be before Maze Runner. And so that's how I'm reading them right now. But I've actually read Maze Runner before, and I just finished Kill Order, and I'm moving into Maze Runner, and I don't know that that needed to happen. Like, I think that's kind of cool to leave it later as maybe like a flashback as to this is what happened. I think in some cases the first book that's written is the most, um, is the purest of the author's intent. So if you're talking about Narnia, for example, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a complete book. It, it, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you can read that one book and not read any of the others, and it is still a wonderful book, yeah. and you will be better for having read it. I don't know for sure that you can say that about the rest of the books. They don't. They are part of a series. Mm-hmm. And so I think with prequels, they grow out of a wish to explain something mm-hmm. that happened in the past, but it's extra material. It's not essential material if that makes sense yeah i was gonna say i agree with you except for uh, that first book in the twilight series that was not the purest oh. best <laughs> what books that are series have you reread well, Harry Potter, of course. Yeah. Of course, once a year. Chronicles of Narnia, also. Uh, yeah, a lot. Now, I generally don't reread because there's so much out there that I haven't read the first time. But some of the young adult uh, books I did read to my children after having read them myself. I read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy several times. I, I did Great too. Book. It's so funny, and it's, it's so good. And you you really do find something that you missed the first time every time you read it. I think per year, every year, I reread Harry Potter. And almost every year, I probably reread The Lord of the Rings. So probably those two. Um, I've had to read The Hunger Games repeatedly just because I've taught it so many times that I've read that one a lot. What else is on here? Jurassic Park. I've read those a few times. Those are great books. Those are great books. I really wish people would pick those up more Mm because I think if they did, they'd be super surprised at how well done those books are you know we were talking also people don't realize i mean alice in wonderland is on here but that's also a series as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are there any others that you want to talk about that we haven't discussed yet what should i read next (laughs) what should jill read next Mm. jill's read what 50 um 54 the last book i read was uh, see, I don't even. Rem- I never remember titles. I read another <laughs> Gillian Flynn. I think it was Dark Places. Dark yes. Oh, yeah. And it was much less complicated than mm-hmm. Gone Girl, but <laughs> one of those. Oh my gosh, I can't mm-hmm. put it down. And that's hard when you start reading a book where you have to figure it out because you stop doing all the other things that cause your life to function. Okay, well, I, I do have a recommendation for you, and that is the Binti Trilogy by Nettie Okorafor. The first book is really just a novella. It's very short. It's just called Binti. And uh, then there's Binti Home, and the final book in the series is The Night Masquerade, Binti the Night Masquerade. And they get longer as they go along. Nettie Okorafor is just remarkable sometimes when you're talking about a book you know you say oh you'll like this if you liked harry potter or it's a little bit like narnia or what have you i never say that about her books she is so original and they're sci-fi fantasy and they're they're just amazing so that's my recommendation for you read binti 
Do you want a recommendation off this list, or do you want just a (laughs) random recommendation? Just a recommendation's fine. Uh, Scythe by Neil Schusterman, amazing. And Thunderhead's out, too. Um, The last one's not out yet, but I read read that in a day. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And then my kids are really, if you're looking for, like, young adult, uh, my kids are really into the program. It's it's a kind of a sci-fi based type thing, and there's five of six. I just found out today that there's another one. There's six of those, and I've got kids. I teach ESL. I have kids that have read through all five mm-hmm. of those in this year alone. Becky, any recommendations as far as series go? Well, I do, but there's only the, been the first one written. <laughs> oh, what is it? <laughs> um, it's uh, Stanley Pargo in Suburbia, written by Charlie Clark, who is an alum of Amarillo College. Oh, very good. And uh, she has written her first book. Uh, It's available on Amazon. And it's kind of um, Harry Potter-esque, but it's one of those that you might not want to read right away, Jill, because she's only gotten the first one done yet. (laughs) (laughs) And then I could find her and pester her and say, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think another book for people who like Harry Potter a lot would be Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell, because... Fangirl, in that book, Rainbow Rowell has created this character that writes fan fiction, and she writes it about something that's very obviously based on Harry Potter, but that it's not called that. And it's just a really fun book to read because you keep going back to what you know about Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's just really fun. It's a cool book. I think um, also The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, that is another giant book. And it's sci-fi fantasy. It's it's more adult than Harry Potter, but it is still the same sort of um, Bildungsroman coming of age with a really fascinating world. Um, that is another one, though, that we are waiting for the next book. <laughs> the second book in the series is called The Wise Man's Fear. And then he did what George R. R. Martin does. He went off and wrote a companion novel that it does not continue the original story. So we're all waiting for book three. That frustrates me. <laughs> okay, let's talk about really quick. Have any of you read the Foundation series? I see that it's on here. Is that the one that has like iRobot and all of that in it? Uh, well, it's not necessarily in it because that was a, a, a different trilogy. Okay. Um, and I have I have read it, but I have to admit that I read it when I was on an Asimov kick back in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've read a few things since then. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a time in my life that uh, I just read everything that my library had on Asimov. He was He's amazing. Yeah, he's I did the same thing. Writer. I remember reading it, but I don't remember it. I didn't even check it because I couldn't tell you anything about it. I remember there were a gazillion characters <laughs> And that there was war between the worlds, and that there was mind control, and um, that all sounds really. Isn't there another one though that it started out as a trilogy, and then there was, and then there were future books later? Or am I remembering that incorrectly? I have not read it, so it's entirely possible that I'm I'm remembering it wrong. I think if I remember right, it was that he intended it to be one book, and that they. It was published in the 50s, and so they probably broke it up the same for the same reason that they did for Tolkien's, I would guess. I have read stuff by him and really liked it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that may be something that I try to check out. I will also have to bring up uh, Tales of the City because Chip will murder me if I don't, um, because that's his favorite <laughs> series on the entire list. 
Anything else that we missed? I remember as a kid, I, I will say this. I don't remember a lot about these books, but I remember reading them. And I remember them being really important to me at the time were Anne of Green Gables. Um, yes. I think that was the first time I ever just sat and just read through a whole pile of books like that. And mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, I can't, I couldn't sit here and list all the characters now. I remember that feeling that it gave me, which I think maybe sometimes that's more important than what the book was about. I can remember feeling so proud of myself for reading something that was a series that was that long and just really intrigued by how simple and fun and easy her life was you know compared to mine so yeah i I really enjoyed anna green gables it's always going to have a really special place in my heart another um another one i would mention and this is not so much series as again companions but all the books by Madeline Langle. Um, you know, they. Not on this list. No. I know. That was uh, something that has received a great deal of discussion. <laughs> but one of the things that's just fascinating about the way that she writes is that some of her books are sci fi, some, some of her books are not. Some of them are written for young people, some of them are written for adults, and yet the same characters inhabit her world. So, you know, Meg pops up. Um, Characters who are somebody's aunt in one book show up later as a main character in another book. And so it's a really, it's just a wonderful world to step into, whether you're into sci-fi or not. And so I I always recommend Madeline Engel to everyone because her books work on so many levels. Yeah, they have The Wrinkle in Time as a graphic novel now, and it is phenomenal. It is so good. And I've gotten kids that couldn't stick with it in a novelization form to read that and they they were hooked so that's you know another option for someone who maybe just can't visualize all of that because it is pretty complex and intense and we hand it off to middle school kids and we expect them to have enough imagination and everything to get through it and sometimes i think it's pretty hard you know for sixth graders to see that world i think that's one of the most influential times though to be Mm -hmm. drawn into the world of a book Mm -hmm. and although i forget some of the books i've read as an adult i can looking at this list i can remember where i was and how old i was and what it felt like reading these books Uh, i think i was eight when i read the chronicles of narnia Mm -hmm. and I was on a camping trip with my parents, and I remember sitting there reading these books, being yeah. amazed. And when you reread the the series that you read as a child, as an adult, they're not the same. You see things you didn't see, right. but you don't feel it the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you understand things that you didn't completely understand. And I think that's why, like, I read A Wrinkle in Time a couple years ago with a class, and it had been a long time since I'd read it. And I thought, oh, man, there's so much in this book that I didn't get as a kid because I just didn't have that foundation to understand some of those really complex issues that were going on. And so as an adult, it was just such a really amazing book when I went back and read it again. All right. We are about to wrap up what we like to end with every time. It's Jill's least favorite part. <laughs> Tell us what book you want to win for The Great American Read and what you think is going to win. So you can have your dream book be number one if you want it to. Uh, Jill, I'm going to start with you. I I refuse to choose. I (laughs) I like all books. I don't have a type of book. I will read anything. And I probably would have read Fifty Shades of Grey if I didn't share a Kindle account with my mother, and that would be embarrassing. (laughs) 
But I did read the preview to it, and that's how I knew I wasn't missing much. Um, but I, I am going to predict that the winner will be To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Stacy. That, that would be my guess as well. Uh, if it's not To Kill a Mockingbird, I would think it would be Harry Potter. And actually, I hope that's true. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is a beautiful, wonderful book, but it's also an important book. And I would love for the book that is that comes out as the Great American Read to be a book that really matters. Andy? I think all books matter in one way or another, even Twilight. But I wouldn't want that to win. Um, <laughs> I think the one I want is The Outsiders. Um mm such a phenomenal book like and it just appeals to so many people on so many different levels and what a story i mean what a story what a theme what everything in that book so it's a beautifully beautifully done book i am gonna have to say that i think the general public will go for to kill a mockingbird becky well i hate to be unoriginal but uh when i when i thought about this being the best loved book Mm. i think to kill a mockingbird is probably the one lots of people have read it and it's impossible not to love but the one that i am voting for myself (laughs) i have to admit i i i've split my votes but the (laughs) one that i vote for most often is jane eyre great choice yeah well, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for talking series books with us all today. And we really thank you for being here. I've got to go home and read. <laughs> Everybody does. Forever and ever. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Read and vote for your favorite books. Visit panhandlepbs.org for more on The Great American Read and The Great Panhandle Read, our parallel Texas Panhandle voting effort. Special thanks to The Mag 7 for providing our music, Colin Lutz, Scotty Vanderford, and Stevie Brashears for designing our really cool logo. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.